today on CityCast Denver. Depending on where you are, walking can be a precarious experience. It's something that Jonathan Stalls thinks about a lot. He has literally walked across the country, but it's his everyday interactions with dangerous intersections and broken sidewalks right here in the city that fuel his life's work and his TikTok account called Pedestrian Dignity. His new book, Walk, is a deeply personal story about why something as simple as walking means so much to him. And just a note, this episode includes discussion of suicide, so please take care. Today is Thursday, September 15th, 2022. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. Jonathan Stalls, welcome to CityCast Denver. Thank you. Grateful to be here. So you're the walking guy. Like, you're kind of famous for it. And you've written this whole book about walking. But I want to know, Jonathan, why do you walk? Oh, my gosh. So many reasons. Uh, thank you for the question. It's it's my main form of medicine. You know, I in 2010, I did a walk across the U.S. This was kind of my entry into a lot of personal healing and recalibrating everything for my own life. And, and so to move at that pace uh, every day for eight and a half months, I, it just became medicine. It became my mental health. It became the most trusted way of, of seeing the world around me and moving with other people shoulder to shoulder. I just, I kind of fumbled into it. And um, now it's, it's, it's my practice. It's my main form of connection. Um, it's one of my greatest teachers just related to built environment and uh, nature and all the things. So it is medicine. It is every day. It is, it is me. It's you. <laughs> yeah, it really is. So was there like a defining moment for you in your life? Or I'm just thinking like, you know, I've gotten into exercise or some folks get really into riding their bike or, but why, what brought you to walking? Yeah. You know, it really was the long distance walk. You know, I was going through a lot of hard things, personal things. Um, I was coming out as gay queer. That was extremely difficult for me. And I need, I'm a very sensitive person. I'm a very, uh, I feel things deeply, all the things. And I, I, I just needed an experience that would, um, yeah, that would jumpstart and recalibrate. I, I, I wanted to shed stories that weren't helpful and, I didn't really know what that looked like. I never had backpacking experience. I never had um, long distance walking experience. I didn't really move much as a pedestrian growing up. And so, you know, I, I, I stumbled across a book called Walk Across America by Peter Jenkins in a Metro State Library book sale. It was 20 cents. I, was, I had a lot of tests that day and I canceled all my classes. That book was speaking loudly to me. I sat in a dirty chair and read it in two days. I cried. I... I was, I was a mess tearing through the pages. Um, and so that context and container for walking across the country was like, this is it. This is it. I'm terrified. I don't know. I don't know where I'll sleep. I don't know where I'm going to go. But there was, there were all these things related to moving in an unhurried way, not passing through things quickly, meeting strangers, going through the challenges of not knowing where to sleep and how to navigate different spaces, moving through the desert. Um, all of that felt, it just felt, um, 
I don't know. It, there was something about it that was unhurried and calm. It didn't feel like aggressive, but it was also terrifying. So that combination of moving through spaces in a in an unhurried way, um, mm -hmm. but also kind of daily challenging, um, you know, my capacity for the unknown and all of that was a, was a coming together around the cross country walk. And so it really was that walk. I, it was 242 days of walking with hundreds of people. I stayed with 120 strangers. Um, 14 states, 15 to 20 miles a day of moving through villages and towns and cities. And were you scared ever? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just thinking about walking into somewhere I don't know, or yeah. like, and then not having like a way to get out, or I don't know, or or a thunderstorm or something, or like you're saying, be on the side of a highway. I mean, yeah. How did you? I just, <laughs> this is blowing my mind. Yeah, terrified a lot. And because yeah. I, you know, I, I talk about there's a great quote in another walking book by Rebecca Solnit. And she says, um, so, so often, so many of us, for a lot of reasons, um, go from one interior to the next, mm. one interior to the next, the building to the car to the building to the car. And I just, I resonated with that. That was my, most of my childhood and upbringing. And there was just something about that, that I, I, I wanted to disrupt. So I, I knew going into it, it would be terrifying. And I think I, I, I felt, I wouldn't have had all the words for it, but I felt like you heard the term rite of passage a lot. And I just, I was like, I have to shed some things, some really the harmful stories that I would tell myself for being gay or being queer or being an artist or being sensitive. I moved every two years as a kid. So it was just a chaotic upbringing in a lot of ways, still a good one, but a chaotic one. I love this idea too of internal stability. Uh that yeah. you gained from moving yeah. around, Big you know, time. like yeah. after being in a situation where you, you couldn't can, obviously when you're a child, you can't control the things like moving every couple of years. Cause that's up to the adults in your life. Right. But then you found this way to stabilize yourself internally by being in charge of moving around the world. Yes. That's such a, and I, I share a lot about that throughout the book because it's the physical, biological, benefits, the things in the neural network, the things that happen in the heart and in the body and in the mind um, are, are profound. I, what happens in central brain when we move, we actively shed unhelpful, blocked, stressful stories, things that weigh us down, things that block our creativity, things that position us in our posturing of sides and opinions and any ideas of certainty that we have, like th there's things that literally, and you can picture it a little bit. We're in a lot of 90 degree walls. We're sitting in chairs a lot of the time. The box we're, that we're sitting in right now. The box that we're sitting in right now. <laughs> the, the screens, we're all a part of it. I'm a part of it. There's no, it's not a, you know, better or worse than thing, but just being really honest about the environments that we're in. But then related to how our bodies are made to literally be moving and shedding dead skin, mm. shedding unhelpful thoughts and stories. And then add that with all the neuroscience related to after 20, 30 minutes of walking um, and very specifically to walking because it's so regulated, our breathing, what happens in the circulatory system. But we actively add new neuropathways after 20 to 30 minutes. We form new neuropath. If I could just repeat that. For all of us, like we form new neural pathways for thinking about complex social, political, relational, personal, inner things. Yeah. And I, it's something that I care so much about because I, I just experience it all the time. I, and so, yeah, to have eight and a half months really uninterrupted from that medicine, 
it was it, it was really it was profound for me. Yeah, it changed the direction of your life. It did. I it mean, totally did. Yeah. This is so interesting. <laughs> I, I randomly I just decided this week I'm going to get up every morning and walk my dog in the morning to try yes. to get my brain going. Like right. And now I'm like, okay, now I'm feeling confirmed in this decision because (laughs) otherwise I sit down at a computer after like the minute I wake up and like, you're right. How do we function if we're not like getting things, our things moving just like mentally? I love that. Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. In the introduction to your book, you describe a dark time in your life, and you feel that it was actually turned around by walking. Could you share that story? Yeah, I. I so, I growing up, every two years I moved into new schools, and so I was a new student uh, twelve different times, and mm-hmm. so that was up until the middle of high school. So I, you know, in my name, it's funny. Uh, adults don't really catch this, but Jonathan Stalls. So I would often get called the first day of school bathroom boy, John or the Stalls. Oh, <laughs> These are just silly I'm things, sorry. but as kids, it's God, a big deal, right? It's a big so deal, y'all. It's, we can just be mean. <laughs> so that was heavy and weird and intense, but not you know a huge deal. And but that, on top of being really sensitive, being really um, constantly having to you know try and fit in and make new friends. But being gay and queer was really difficult. Um, mm-hmm. And it wasn't until my early mid-20s that it started to just kind of get loud and disruptive. It was a, it was ready to, to blow. And I have a lot of, um, there's a, a long lineage of, of suicide in my family. So oh my, my grandmother gosh. and my, my uh, two of my uncles and just different things. Like we have, it's just, so all of a sudden this thing's got really hard for me that all, I was like, well, that's the way to, that's what we got to do. That's how this has to go. And it was, um, it was about six months of um, being in the darkest, yeah. you know, those dark times where you don't, you, you know, you're literally believing the the stories and the lies that you kind of absorb around you or internally. And so crawling out of that, um, I the dedication in the book is um, to the wind and the trees, uh, you know, for saving my life because I was uh, my, um, you know, my attempt was often next to high busy roadways. And I would just stand there in the middle of the night and I would say, okay, step in front and end this. Um, it's too hard. It's too hard. I don't know who to go. I had nobody to go to, or at least that's how it felt. Yeah. Um, I'll just never forget the one time in particular where I, I followed the sound of the wind in the trees, and I was, and I found myself walking and away from the road, and that was really the time where, I started to like, catch glimpses of, you know, just holding on and taking things a day at a time, and, uh, and that was the start of just like this, this my teachers, my life, my, uh, the way I move through the world has to change. Things have to change. They have to change. If I'm going to, if I'm going to survive this, they have to change. And then that led up to 
a, a series of things that that you know resulted in doing the long walk because I just wanted something that would that would cement this you know not perfectly it's I'm a hot mess a lot of the time y'all I walk and I have a smartphone under trees and I'm tweeting let's be real like I'm a hot mess it's not just all peace and good I'm behind the screens I sit in walls all the time I get rides in cars this is not but like let just it's but my the medicine of moving and walking helped yeah. me find a way into a, a family of teachers that are trees and sky and strangers and birds and uh, water systems and different communities and backgrounds from different perspectives. And there were a lot of other things I attached to the long walk, but it was personal healing and in its in its deepest way. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you're here. Thank you. And yeah. I'm glad that you had that moment because a lot of us don't. And that's yeah. when we lose people. Yep. Um, I've been in that place myself. I've mm-hmm. had that moment where I thought, the world would be a lot better if I yes. wasn't taking up space. And and I have to yes. say, I came to it two years into sobriety when mm. like things are supposed to be good, right? You're getting right. your life together, but that's when you're really facing your shit. Oh my God. And I dove headfirst into exercise a little bit differently, mm-hmm. but it's, I look at those moments and I think, thank, thank God the wind blew. Yeah. Thank God, right. you know what I mean? Like, exactly. It's, it's amazing. I want to kind of bring this back to Denver. So Denver is sort of, we're notorious for our car culture. And I wonder how are you convincing people in Denver to walk more? Oof. Are you? (laughs) (laughs) uh, Well, one of the things I'm always sharing pretty much when I go live on TikTok and I'm moving with different people or in the videos or in the text, I'm very intentional about this is not car shaming. This is not uh, getting, getting rid of cars. This is not... That's not what this is. I, I use the terminology a lot, decentering, and specifically decentering the single occupant personal vehicle um, as, a, as a strategy for reimagining and recalibrating how we see transportation and our investment into it. The, the hard part is that we don't often have yet the engineering that makes the, if for, for those that do drive, um, to just all of a sudden replace their trips, you know, thinking about our transit and, and transit frequency and transit access and safety. And a lot of people will ask, well, is Denver a walkable city or what's the most walkable city for you? And I get it all the time. And I'm like, y'all check out, like, ba- I, I invite people to base their, the, the walkability or mm-hmm. rollability, mm-hmm. um, based on these arterial networks, the arterial roads, which are the larger commercial- They're the the, the big strips, the Colorado Boulevards, the Federal Boulevards. Yes, the Alamitas, the Sheridans, the ones that, and and especially in Denver, we're far from walkability, rollability, when we really look at the networks where most of the people who live here and work here and who've grown up here live. Um, And it's a, so, yeah. So I, I would just say that, um, yes, there are things that I'm seeing where people are replacing some of their trips. They're trying more transit. They're trying to break up their car trips. And there's we're all trying to get creative, you know, with our network and just how to encourage it. But it's hard when the engineering yeah. isn't. When you're fighting against a bigger system that already exists. Yeah. When it's really, it's really hard to do day to day, get to work, get to the appointment it's not an easy transition. And so it's, um, yeah, it's just constantly experimenting. Is there somewhere in Denver that you love to walk? Mm. 
like that feels good or like, yeah. the, you know what I mean? Like really fits all of the things that you love about walking. Oh my gosh. Um, or a neighborhood or a, you know what I mean? A yeah. strip, a particular area. I mean, yeah, I love, so I obviously love our park system here. Right. It's like, phenomenal. It's awesome. Yeah. Our park system is so great. You know, like I could go on and on about <laughs> access to the parks, but I try the positive side of things is, you know, I, I love our parks. I love how they um, bring people together. And usually a lot of the parks will have wider, spacious walkway rollways once you're inside of them. The Union Station area, just the, the plaza in front of it is, oh, it's is, is positive. Yeah. Like it's just, it's, it's hard when we think about, again, I think public restrooms and pe like the larger public story of feeling safe and connected and integrating all that. But just from like a built environment plaza standpoint like to sit there and watch kids and families run through those fountains and relax and slow it down and you don't have the noise of cars kind of everywhere around you i love that i, I go there that. a lot um i really like you know parts of the platte river that connect and some of the work that's being done to improve the platte river park is great yeah so we do have some good things yeah those we are got some, some good, good things jonathan stalls thank you so much thank you thank you brie And here's what else Denverites are talking about. Recently released body camera footage of the June shooting of Christian Glass has his family and the public asking why. Why was the 22-year-old shot by Clear Creek County Police after he made a 911 call asking for help getting his car unstuck outside Silver Plume? CPR reports that there was speculation that Glass was having a mental health crisis, but there are still no answers as to why it ended in his death. Glass's parents have announced that they intend to sue the responding agencies. And we've got another name to potentially add to the 2023 mayor's race. The one, the only, Valentes Corleones. <laughs> yes, that Valentes Corleones. You know, the guy who ran into hot water with the city over how his club, Beta, was operating in Lodo. The first thing he would do as mayor? Corleones told Westward he would change the hours that nightclubs and bars close from 2 a.m. to 4 or 6 a.m., an idea that's already been floating around as a possible solution to Lodo's let-out problems. We'll see how serious the nightclub kingpin is about his bid when and if he actually files the proper mayoral paperwork. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell my best friend David who doesn't listen to the show about us. Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See ya! See ya. <laughs> that was so creepy. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> Let me try that again. <laughs>